Welcome to the Left Hook Larry podcast. I'm Greg Checklin and I'll be joined alongside Ewan Chapman. This week we're going to be discussing some of the biggest boxing fights coming up in 2021. We'll give you our breakdown of the fights and we'll give you our predictions. Ewan, how you been, mate? Oh, I'm not too bad. I think this week's been pretty exciting with all the feedback from the first podcast, and it's been pretty overwhelming to hear some of the good responses. How have you been? Yeah, I've been really good, thanks, mate. Um, it's been really sort of encouraging and exciting to to listen to some of that feedback, and um, I think we've we've come up with some pretty good ideas for future podcasts. So yeah, I'm really excited to get started. I've been actually trying to start this uh, this new running challenge recently. I've decided to do uh, fifty kilometers or run fifty kilometers on the on the night running app for February. Um, but I was sort of wondering like why I've chosen February. To be honest with you, I've like realised now that I've not only cho- chosen the the coldest month of the year, but also the month with the fewest days. So um, sort of regretting that. It's not too fun, but keeps you busy. Yeah. Y- Greg, you you've got that long body. You've got that long body. <laughs> long, you uh, mostly legs. I'm like eighty percent legs, to be honest. Yeah, body Literally, like a rugby. Absolutely no cardio <laughs> at all. So definitely, <laughs> all right, all come, mate. Don't worry about it. You've been up to much? Yeah, moving back up to uni, enjoying some snow today, having a bit of fun. <laughs> Wicked. Okay, well, let's get started then. Well, let's go, Jags. So seeing as this podcast is supposed to be a sort of a chat in the bar, it feels no more appropriate than to to start with probably the biggest pub talk fight at the moment, certainly in the UK. Uh, and that's, of course, Tyson Fury versus Anti Joshua. It seems like it's in the works at the moment. Talk's looking quite progressive. Um, I'm thinking this is surely going to be one of the biggest fights of the 21st century. I mean, in any sport, this is just crazy, crazy big. Um, I can't really think of many of the fights which live up to, you know, the sort of standard of this fight. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Mayweather Pacquiao. Um, you know, really, even that, when you consider, of course, the hype was there and it did, you know, so many pay-per-view buys, but... Uh, in terms of two fighters in their absolute peak and the absolute prime at the top of the division, uh, world famous superstars like coming together to unify the title and the division, I really can't think of anything you know as big as this in recent history. Well, yeah, I'd just like to take a moment silence to just appreciate Eddie Hearn and appreciate Bob Arum <laughs> for actually delivering a huge mega fight because how often do fights like this come around and how often do they get missed? So, you know, like you said, we may have a Pacquiao. That was five years too late. We have what we're going to be able to watch these guys in their prime fighting. So moment of silence, boys. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, we can hope, we can pray. It's not for definite yet, but I mean, I think anything else... Touch wood, touch wood. Anything else would face such a ridiculous level of backlash at this point that I, I don't know if it, you know... The, the credibility of each of the fighters is just would just be ruined and yeah i don't think there really is any other option um you know particularly for well i mean to be honest for both of them really that there's no other path um so look let's just hope it will happen but of course we, we've got to talk about how we see that fight going and i think the basic argument here and the argument a lot of people will have is that tyson fury is just a better fighter he's a better boxer um he's probably beaten the better guys i mean he beat the the main other guy in that division which is of course deontay wilder quite convincingly twice basically of course with that first draw um but i think actually the more i look at this fight and the more i see aj's chances i think are a lot greater than he's given credit for um i actually think he's got a fantastic chance of winning this fight because I think he's faced so much pressure over the years to essentially always be, he's always the favorite fighter. Um, And I think this for once, he'll go into a fight not being necessarily the bookie's favorite. Um, And I think that pressure will just be a sort of a weight off his shoulders. I feel like he's almost like a bit of a boxing robot at times. And he sort of says the right things and does the right things. And, you know, if you could build a boxer, a heavyweight boxer in a lab, you'd probably come out with uh, something resembling Anthony Joshua. But I think he just needs a fight like this where he can go in and say, look, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm not actually expected to win this fight. Um, And I think that will really, really help him. Yeah, see, I think it's it's hard to say with AJ because, you know, as much as you can say how will he be as the underdog, he's he's loved the limelight and he's he's been so used to having the limelight his whole way up. Think about every fight he's been in, straight from the Olympics, straight into Matchroom as their golden boy. He's used to being the, the golden child. He's used to having all the pressure on him. So actually, do I feel like being an underdog will be better for him. I don't know. I'd probably disagree with you on that, Jags. Well, look, I think, well, it's whether, whether the bookies will have him as a favourite or an underdog, I really don't know. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, my, my head is telling me that the Fury will win this fight, of course. It just seems like he is a superior boxer. He has the better skill. Um, he's basically shown that he can he can you know dethrone and and walk down someone like Deontay Wilder who has you know incredible power uh, and assert himself and use his skill and actually use his strength and and sort of show that he has power to his shots now as well um, which is definitely something which you know he was criticized for lacking earlier on in his career I just think that AJ will go into this fight thinking I'm one big shot away from being the undisputed champion of the world and yeah yeah definitely i still think it's that same sort of thing as uh, the wilder fight for fury where he knows he can't afford to slip up um he can't afford to to get too too cocky and too confident uh, and to leave his chin out there for too long because aj is good enough and he is skillful enough to to hurt fury i think quite considerably um you know i think Fury's been been hurt by far uh, worse boxers than anything that AJ is. So 
it's definitely a possibility. Look, Greg, I don't think this fight is decided by Anthony Joshua, to be 100% honest with you. I think this fight is decided by Tyson Fury and which Tyson Fury we see show up. Because now the thing is, there's these two elements. Which Tyson Fury are we going to see? Are we going to see the Tyson Fury that went and fought Klitschko over in Germany and boxed his head off? You know, he just showed, you know, at the end of his jab, he can palm you off. He can stand well away from you and he won't get hit. Whereas you see Anthony Joshua were there with Klitschko and they had a good old fashioned shootout. They were trading leather the whole time. So are we going to see that Tyson Fury or are we going to see the Tyson Fury that went in against Deontay Wilder in the second fight and walk, walked him down? ate his punches and hit him with everything he had and proved that he had that hard shot. But the thing is, for me, I don't think we'll see either of them. I think this is the fight where Tyson Fury will come in with the combination of both of them. And I think that's when we'll really see this. Well, I'm really hoping we see this beautiful combination of boxer and puncher because I think that's what he's going to need to be AJ. Because I don't think AJ will be deterred by him standing at range and trying to box his head off and jab his head off. Because, you know, AJ's shown that he's willing to get hit. And we've seen in performances, you know, sometimes to his detriment, he gets hit too much. But I think he's shown that he won't be deterred and he'll keep trying swaying him. So that's why I think Tyson needs to keep him on, on on the end of his jab, but then he also needs to get his respect. And that's where it's going to have to occasionally get in with him, offload on short range shots, and then step back and move out of the way. I think the other key for Tyson Fury here is going to be his feints. And we've seen it so many times against Deontay Wilder. We've seen it so many times in his past fights against Klitschko um, and against uh, Derek Chisora. Um, he uses the feints so well. And, it's, and it just upsets all these heavyweights that are just so prepared for just a, a nice, upright, standing, trading at range battle. And his feints are just always triggering him. And I think that's one thing that's really going to upset Anthony Joshua in this fight. And I think the feints could win Tyson Fury this fight. Yeah, I definitely think that's a, that's a good point in terms of the feints. And, and certainly Fury is an incredibly awkward fighter. To, to box against i think that's something which a lot of people agree with i think to the sort of detriment of anti joshua maybe the fact that going in there he usually has an advantage in height in reach in weight a lot of times you know he's a big heavyweight and he won't have that advantage against fury um you know and i think really you see that across fight sports um a lot of guys who are naturally big for their division whatever whatever division that may be um you know if they're tall if they've got a long reach they tend to to be very good against people who are sort of uh you know shorter than them have a have a shorter wingspan and so they're able to sort of pick at them from a distance and you know keep it technical keep a sort of a good technical striking distance away from them um and really sort of benefit from that obviously aj won't have that advantage in this fight and i think that will be the, the biggest task for him to solve, um, you know, not having that advantage yeah. and having to try and close that distance and actually be very skillful and, and sort of be wary of the feints of, of, uh, of Fury. Yeah. Well, well, let's say, Greg, let's say you're Robert McCracken and you're in AJ's corner for this fight. What are you, what can you tell him? Like, I feel like there's, there's 
a few things that he's got to do perfectly to have a chance in this fight. I think the main thing I'd be telling him is body shots, body shots, body shots, body shots. Because, you know, we've seen Tyson Fury so elusive with his head, but his body always stays so central and it's always locked right down. And we haven't really seen anyone just properly, properly pummel him. And we've seen Auntie Josh with that nice, nice left hook into the body off the jab. So... I mean, what else can you really tell him to do except from that? That For me, that's the only way where I can see AJ being able to to test him. Look, I, I agree. And I think there is definitely a, a limited amount of things that you can say to someone if they are the sort of inferior boxer. You know, you can't sort of magic up, you know, an extra four or five years boxing training, um, you know, and, and sort of get them to a level which they're just not at at the moment. One thing I think... That will be key, though, for Robert Kraken to sort of get across to AJ, in my opinion, is I think the variety of his shots is so important against Fury because Fury has shown that if you only have like sort of a limited arsenal of, of punches like Deontay Wilder has, he's far, far too clever to fall into any sort of trap of being caught by just, you know, a jab and a right hand or, or a big shot that's kind of sort of looping from a distance. Um, I'd like to see AJ really mix up his punches and sort of keep Fury guessing as much as possible. Sort of similar to how AJ boxed Povetkin, where um, he sort of set up that um, the the straight right to uh, to the head of Povetkin with just keep jabbing away to the body, keep jabbing away to the body and straight shots to the body and then bang upstairs. And that basically just really, really caught Povetkin off guard. And that's a guy who's, you know, an experienced boxer. And so definitely variety of punches. But again, you know, I assume Fury will, will take a few rounds to, to sort of suss out whatever AJ is, is going to do. And I think I do expect him for the most part to be able to, to sort of guess and to read what AJ is going to throw at him. No, I, I, definitely, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, Tyson Fury's got far too much of a ring IQ to go in there and just hope to land a double jab right because it's not going to work on him. So that's, that is such a massive factor, actually, Greg. So I'm going to applaud you for that. Definitely. Shot selection is a huge thing. And, and that's the thing. You've just proven there. You know your stuff, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I've got to get something right when it comes to boxing, haven't I? So, um, <laughs> well, I, well, look, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And, you know, sort of put a gun to your head. I want an official prediction. And just that, just that, you know, this is obviously going to go out to uh, millions of listeners. So, um, <laughs> you know, you, you're going to be, you're going to be held accountable for this for be. years to come. And can I just remind you that when Anthony Joshua got finished by Ruiz, I predicted the exact round and I still have the screenshots of this to prove it. So you can call me Mystic Mac. I predict these things. <laughs> Um, Mystic so check for me. Come I on. feel like this one's a bit harder, but I'm going to say Tyson Fury, TKO, round nine. You heard it here first, and I've got the recordings now. So <laughs> put your money on. Can't wait for this to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Greg? I'm going to really put my neck out on the line here, and I'm going to say that AJ finishes him. <sighs> AJ, gets, no. AJ gets a stoppage. As, as, in fact, I'm going to say knockout, not even not even a TKO. I'm going to say knockout. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say, oh God, why am I saying this? I'm going to say AJ. You're being controversial here. <laughs> I'm going to say AJ, knockout, round 10. You, Sparko you're on the canvas, have, not getting back up. You're going to have an army of boxing scientists coming after you for that one. 
calling you a matchroom and Eddie Earn fanboy. And I want you to know that that's what you've done to yourself. Oh my God, I'm basically Johnny Nelson, aren't I? Oh. <laughs> Company Nelson. <laughs> Company Nelson. If you haven't seen that Twitter page, definitely look it up. Definitely, it's definitely look it up. Um, obviously, there's been some rumours that this fight may not take place in the UK. Um what are your what are your thoughts on that? You know, does it matter that it's not gonna be in the UK or should we just be happy that we're gonna get any fight at all? Well, firstly, the fight's happen well, not all the fight's happening yet, but if the fight happens, I'm happy for it to happen anywhere. I think the greatest tragedy would be if it was to happen in the UK in front of no fans. For me, that would be far more or more upsetting. I want to see a packed arena. It's an mm, event that deserves yeah. it. So I'd rather it's anywhere else in the world as long as it's got those fans. And, you know, whether that means an early morning for us, Greg, you know, we're accustomed <laughs> to it. We'll be up at three in the morning if we have yeah. to. Look, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, to be honest. I'd literally, I'd be happy to watch them fight outside the city arms in Coventry, you know, I don't care where it is. If it's, you know, I thought they have put a bid in for that, actually. <laughs> hey, look, it's basically a boxing ring anyway. There's enough fights outside there. So, <laughs> it may well host a professional fight. I'd like to add that we've not been involved in any. No, of course not. Um, officially, don't want that to go on record. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you've predicted a Fury win then. Can you see Fury sort of riding off into the sunset and, and retiring after this fight then? You know, is there anyone left for him to fight if he beats AJ? I think... That's a really hard question because, you know, Tyson Fury is such an unpredictable character. How can we say for certain? And like, genuinely, if he said to me one minute that he's going to have, well, not to me, well, I mean, I don't really know. But if he said on Instagram in one second that he's going to have 20 fights in the next 10 years, I'd believe him. Then the next story will say that he's going to, you know, retires right now, and I'll believe him. The, the mm, man, it's so you know, like McGregor, isn't it? <laughs> you can't pin him down to anything. But the thing is, for me specifically, knowing how much training and boxing means to him now, and like we can see how how much it affects his mental health, and he knows that as well. I can't imagine him getting out the gym, and I think a boxer that's in their prime in the gym they're never going to be able to stop themselves from getting back in the ring, realistically, are they? Yeah, I think, you know, if Fury does retire, I don't think anyone can sort of blame him, really. He's, you know, there really isn't many, or there aren't many fighters around at all that, you know, there's there's no sort of questions looming over who is the best at that point if he is to, to beat AJ. Um, perhaps just another AJ fight if it's a, a contest which deserves a rematch. So, Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo. Um, I don't really know where to go with this fight, to be honest. Um, if you'd have taken the Billy Joe Saunders that sort of just beat Lemieux in that fight where he sort of just completely outboxed him um, and sort of given him the Canelo fight there and then, I would have thought, hmm, you know, maybe Billy Joe is the guy to, to beat Canelo, but he's really just gone a bit off the rails since then. And looking at his last two fights, I mean, we've got Martin Murray, who, of course, you know, that was a bit of a no contest fight against him. And then Marcello Caceres um, on the Logan Paul KSI undercard. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, yeah, it, it just, it's, 
it's, it's hard to believe with uh, with BJ Saunders sometimes um, the sort of different varying levels of uh, of performance that we get throughout some of his fights. Um, and I guess part of me thinks, well, you know, look, if we're going to get a really good BJ Saunders against Canelo, then, you know, maybe there is an argument to be made that, you know, he's the guy. But there's also an equally good argument that in the sort of areas where Billy Joe is strongest, Canelo is still better. And that's the thing that I think worries me the most about this fight for Billy Joe. Yeah, I, I that's, that's the thing, Greg, is... I feel like there's so many questions to be asked about this fight, but for me, there's. I, I've tried to narrow it down to to two points that will decide what happens in this fight, and the two points are: is Canelo too good to be beat, and is Billy Joe Saunders good enough to beat him? And that's the thing; they sound like stupid points, but that, that those really are actually, when you boil it down, the two main questions, and you know, just. Looking at Billy Joe Saunders himself, I've I've tried to go back and watch his fights. I remember I was watching him fight Chris Eubank Jr. Um, a few months ago, and I was just trying to think of what I saw in that fight. And I saw Billy Joe being caught a lot by a guy that is definitely not on the same level as Canelo. And I know that's in the past, but really, then it made me think, has Billy Joe Saunders improved enough in that time so then i was looking at fights well his most recent fight against martin murray and he was still making mistakes which he was making in the past which led him to get caught and the main thing for me is when he's throwing his southpaw jab his left hand either is dropped or it comes out to the side and his chin is so open and that's the thing against opposition like martin murray or whatever his name was in on KSI's undercard, they won't capitalize on that. Yeah, but, I had to look it up. But, but, you know, Canelo will capitalize on that. So for me, that's the main thing that, you know, I, I see from Billy Joe is there are a few too many chinks in the armor. And then the other question, is Canelo too good to be beat? Judging off that Callum Smith fight, well, you'd say, yeah. But then I, th this is a thing that so many people are saying that, you know, at the minute Canelo is unstoppable. You know, he got that draw and he got that win against Triple G. I, everyone seems to have forgot about it because, I mean, the man lost those fights. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say, I know people say, oh, he won the second, but go back and watch it and turn the sound off and just score it. He lost both those fights. And that's the thing, he is beatable. He's, he's been beat, well, he has been beat very recently. And although it's not counted, is it? I'm sorry to say, he has been beat. So I, I don't think he's this immovable object. There is obviously a way to beat him. Although I don't think it's Billy Joe. I don't think it's Billy Joe. One thing I'll say about Billy Joe is that he does have, in my opinion, a world-class jab and, you know, a very good boxing brain. And, and that sort of using that jab could be key to this fight. Um, but I think equally, you look at Canelo's head movement and his ability to get inside efficiently and mostly without getting hurt. I mean, we saw that against Callum Smith. Um, and that worries me because I don't think that Billy Joe's jab is strong enough to sort of deter um, 
to deter Canelo in his in his sort of march to to walk forward, which I believe he will do in this fight and quite successfully. Um, because you know the sort of the way that he jabs is is more of a sort of yeah, just just it's just a feeler jab, it's just pouring it out there, um, and sort of trying to to gauge the distance. And I think you know by the time he's done that, Canelo will be inside just firing away at him. Um, so I think that is a serious serious problem that Billy Joe is going to have to deal with. I completely agree with you there, Greg. And the thing is, Billy Joe does have a great jab. But Canelo has a world-class jab. Unbelievable, unbelievably world-class. And and that's the difference. I, I don't think Joe, uh, Billy Joe hits hard with his jab. I think he is sharp, it's crisp, it's clean. But he doesn't hit hard. And that's the thing. Canelo does have good head, head movement. But, you know, we saw that um, Triple G was was controlling him with the jab a lot of the fight. But the difference is, if Triple G hits you with a jab, you're going to know about it. I don't think you'll know about it the same way with Billy Joe Saunders. That that's the thing. If if Triple G hits a van, that van is going to be stopped in its tracks. If you know, if Billy Joe Saunders tickles a van, you know he's going to be roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I don't even know what to reply to that. <laughs> but um but yeah, look, um I think a key thing for me at least is is sort of wondering whether Billy Joe can actually withstand um Canelo's big power punches because you know, I don't know if we, we have seen him being tested before. Um I mean, do you think he can take those shots? I think it's an you know, it's an interesting question because have we really seen Billy Joe get hit by someone like Canelo? You know, the only times I can really remember watching him getting hit is versus Eubank Jr. You know, getting you know landed on flush by a strong puncher. Um, I, that it's a good question because we I, have we seen it yet? Um, I think the only times we've really seen him against a, a puncher was. As, versus David Lemieux when he showed that he was able to evade those shots. But the difference is that David Lemieux chased, chased, well, tried to chase Billy Joe around the ring, whereas Canelo will cut off the ring and, and force him in the, into the directions that he wants uh, Billy Joe to go. And I think that's, that's the issue is that, you know, when, when Canelo cuts you off and holds you where he wants you, you know, you're going to have to take those shots because he will be landing. I think another thing that massively worries me about this is that if we can sort of if we can sort of agree that the only way that Billy Joe is winning this fight is by decision, um, it's even more worrying to consider that, that he's gonna be fighting him on Cinco de Mayo, you know, in the US <laughs> against, you know, obviously Mexicans Mexico's favourite boxer. So, you know, as if that task weren't you know, as difficult as it was already, now he's got that to contend with. Um, I feel like he's going to have to literally kill him without actually finishing him to actually get a decision. So um, I think it's just a, another roadblock in, in the way of Billy Joe and in the way of his potential for success in this fight. Well, I think the the only difference you can say now is that, you know, Golden Boy is not going to be giving little backhanders to all the judges in the hotels before and all into the referees. You know, this is now a, an Eddie Hearn show and Eddie Hearn has Billy Joe as his fighter. He doesn't have 
Canelo, you know, Canelo's just in for the two fights. So is it going to be quite the same? Obviously, the crowd's going to be there in full support of Canelo, which, you know, makes a massive difference. But, you know, is is the golden boy money going to be getting passed around the hotel room? You know, it's probably not. Yeah, well, look, fingers crossed there's no uh, funny business on that front. I think it's something that we definitely don't want to see as boxing fans. Okay, so it's come to that time. I'm going to have to ask you, What's your prediction for this fight? And I want a round again, please. Um, you know, you're putting me on the spot here today, Greg. Um, see, it's, it's so hard because as much as, you know, everything that Billy Joe has done, and I know that we should dislike him, there is just something about him that, you know, makes you want to like him. You know, I don't know what it is, if it's a cheeky little persona or not. So that's the thing. I don't, no, I don't really, I think in my heart, want to watch him get knocked out. But unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen. And I think, you know, as well, this is the other thing in the Chris Eubank fight is that he gassed later in the in the rounds and he saw that he couldn't, you know, he wasn't as as, as strong and as fit in those, uh, in those final championship rounds. And I think that's where Canelo will come on to him, catch up with him and, and land the devastating shot. So for me, I'm going to say... Round 10 KO for Canelo. Yeah, I actually, I wonder if it's it's really going to be sooner than that. Um, I I really just think that because Billy Joe hasn't fought anyone near of Canelo's calibre, you know, in, in a long, long time. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough argument to suggest that even Lemieux is anywhere near to what Canelo is. Um, so I just think this could be actually... A, a bit of a, a cakewalk for Canelo. Um, and I think I see I see him finishing Billy Joe. I'm, I'm going to say round seven. I'm going to say round seven will be will be no mass for uh, for Billy Joe. I can't, I can't disagree with you, Greg. I can't disagree with you. But, you know, maybe we come out and we see a 12 rounds of Billy Joe Saunders becoming a clin, clini, clinician? Clinician? Is that a word? What, what did you say? Clinic, clinician. Is that a word? Clinician. Well, it's like, that just sounds like you're a doctor, though, doesn't it? I think that's just in the way for a doctor. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with it then. Maybe <laughs> we'll see him, you know, being a clinician, hosting a <laughs> clinic and schooling Canelo. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks for that, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Pacquiao versus Ryan Garcia. Um, this is intriguing. I think um, it's definitely very good timing for Ryan Garcia. I think it, it's it's a very good sort of tactical choice of fight um, because I think surely with the sort of skills that Garcia has has shown us recently, obviously with that, that brilliant win over Luke Campbell and overcame being knocked down, um, that was obviously a massive test for him and a lot of us were just sort of wondering, is this guy just a sort of pretty boy on Instagram who's not going to be able to take a proper shot? Um, but he definitely he showed after that, I think, that he's got a lot of grit and a lot of determination and desire um, to, to go right to the top. Um, and I think, in my opinion anyway, surely fighting a, a Pacquiao, who is 42 now, if you can believe that, um, and who hasn't fought since July of 2019, albeit a fantastic win over Keith Thurman. Um, I just think this is coming at the right time for Garcia. And I think 
Pacquiao is going to struggle to match Garcia's speed, his power, and also just how active he's been as a fighter. Greg, I, I don't know if you're trying to pull my leg right now. Are you joking? Are you joking, <laughs> Greg? This is Manny Pacquiao we're talking about. This man does not abide by the laws of human physics and biology. <laughs> you know, he's 42 years old, but trust me, he does not fight like a 42-year-old. And I think you are wrong for once. And I'm going to call you out on it. I think you're completely wrong. I think this is awful timing for Ryan Garcia to fight a man like Manny Pacquiao because th this isn't a big name that's, you know, been shot and passed it. This is a big name with an incredible boxing resume with incredible skills and i you know if we're talking about fight iq there's no one else in the world that's going to have the same iq that manny pacquiao has and definitely not ryan garcia and i think it's the wrong time to go and face him and to go up in weight because remember that ryan garcia is a lightweight at the minute and manny pacquiao is a welterweight so he'll be going up in weight to fight a bigger manny pacquiao I, there's only one way I see it going, and I think that's Manny Pacquiao completely old manning him and showing him who's boss in there. Wow. Yes. What do I say to that? Um, look, I've no. I'm not doubting uh, Pacquiao's capability. I just think if there was ever a time to fight him, it would be right now, with his inactivity, with the fact that he is, of course, you know, he was old before, and he's even older now. Um, I think, of course, you know, Manny Pacquiao and uh, Luke Campbell are incomparable in terms of boxing achievements and boxing ability. But I just think this is the right moment for Garcia. And I think it's perfect for him because, you know, obviously Pacquiao is a massive, massive name. Um, and so in terms of, you know, promoting himself and making him almost like a worldwide star, how brilliant would it be for him to get you know Manny Pacquiao's name on his resume and then you know build up to an even bigger fight with some of the best uh, lightweights in the world so I think it's, it is good for him and you know look I'm not saying it's going to be easy by any stretch uh, I think he's going to be tested massively again um, I just think that Garcia is just showed he showed just how good he is and that you know the amount of whip he gets in his punches and his speed and his power I just think that because Pacquiao has shown that he can get hurt quite often and you know and quite badly at the age of 42, you know, I think the odds are the odds aren't in Pacquiao's favor. I'll put it that way. I think what you're doing, Greg, is that you're making the same mistake that Ryan Garcia's management are making, and it's underestimating a man just because of his age and. I, I genuinely, you know, I don't think Ryan Garcia is strong enough. I don't think he's fast enough. I don't think he's knowledgeable enough. I I, I just see a world of trouble for him. And it's, it's underestimating an opponent just based on age. And I'm sure that Keith Furman did the same thing, you know, in, in Manny's last fight. Is You know, he's, he's 40 years old. Surely he can't be that good. But, you know, the old dogs are the worst ones to fight. You know that there he is dangerous and he'll always be dangerous and especially going up in weight to fight him i just i i i, I think this is a, a really bad fight for ryan garcia to take I, I think he should have stayed down at lightweight rather than go up to face a man like manny pacquiao look, look put it this way 
I think it's clear that Garcia is improving with every fight that he that he has. And I think Pacquiao now is on a decline in terms of his boxing ability, you know, his ability to take punches and to sort of weather the storm in a fight. I just, you know, yeah, look, I, I think my thinking is that this is like a, a complete 50-50 fight, really. Um, but if I had to pick, I, I would pick Ryan. Um, I just think that, you know, he's improving and Manny is not. And I think that's, that's going to be the case quite clearly from now on. Um, it's just whether they've taken it a little bit too early. And of course, you know, that's that's quite clearly the the biggest topic or the most obvious thing to think about with this fight. Um, because I think, yeah, in a couple of years time, you know, if they were to have this fight, it would, wouldn't be a fight. And I think if they'd had this fight a couple of years prior to now, it also wouldn't be a fight. So it's just whether the timing is right. And, and I believe that the timing is just about right for, for Ryan to, to win this fight. Yeah. I, I just don't think we can, we can judge it on age and it, with boxing and, and age with age comes class and i guess that's the same in any sport and that class is something you never lose like i mean if you pass perlo a ball he's going to ping it in the top corner every time and it's it's the same with manny pacquiao you know he's, he's always going to be able to deliver on big nights because he has that class i've got to ask you again um prediction i want a round or a one decision or whatever you got for me i greg look i, I guess this is me hosting and joining the Manny Pacquiao Appreciation Society. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be over there in the Philippines parading his name around the streets. But for me, this is a 12-round shutout. This is a boxing masterclass. And this is the old man giving the young little puppy a, a little bit of a spanking. Wow. So 12 rounds, unanimous decision. Manny Pacquiao takes Ryan Garcia's back to school. Wow, you heard it here first, guys. Once again, that will be another viral well, prediction. Yeah, trust me, I am sure most of the boxing world are in agreement with me here, Greg. Do not worry about that. Okay, I think I think Garcia gets the finish. And I think... I think it pains me, Greg. It pains me. I think Garcia... I think he gets a finish in round nine. Greg, if, if you didn't hurt them with your statements on AJ winning, you've hurt them now. And there will be people at your door hunting you down. <laughs> Look, guys, come on. If, if, I'm, if I'm that wrong, then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Let's wait and see, eh? Let's wait and see. So just quickly then to, to finish up, I want to just quickly touch on Josh Warrington's decision to vacate the IBF belt, um, which he says is, is basically an idea to, to chase that ring magazine belt. Um, and in Josh's words, he wants to go down in, in boxing history and really chase those big, big accolades that come with, uh, you know, being one of the best boxers in his weight division. So um, what's your thoughts on this? I think it's a strange move but it's a ballsy move as well. You know, giving up your world title because you want to go and fight for, you know, a ring magazine bout, which, you know, it's not a governing body sanctioned bout, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's held by some, some strange um, journalists that have their ideas. You know, it's, it's a strange one, but I think, is it a step in the right direction because we see so many fighters now that are being held accountable to bouts in fights which 
you know, just really make a mockery of of having ranking systems in boxing. And it's like you see with with Canelo having to fight Yildrim. Yeah. Um, what is what is the point of these fights? And the fact, you exactly, know, yeah. Warrington was sanctioned to fight Kid Galahad in the in the in the rematch. For me, the first fight, I fought Josh Warrington. I was happy for him to get the decision. It was obviously a close fight, but I think Josh Warrington did enough to get the decision. So, you know, when he, when he wants to go on to these big fights, I can understand him not wanting to then go into those rematch, go back, you know, he, you know, he wants to push on for, you know, the Kanju fights and, and to get over and fight the Americans. So I respect him for that. You know, it's just a shame to see him give up about because, you know, d- does he kind of remove a bit of legitimacy to him? Um, but the thing is, I just feel so sorry for Josh at the minute because, I mean, how many boxers have at least managed to get out during COVID time? You know, it's so, you know, it's, it's a travesty, the fact that Josh Warrington, you know, at last year was, was at, um, at Headingley and um, at Ellen Road. You know, he was supposed to be all these massive Leeds fights and we haven't been able to see him. So the fact that, you know, he's just gone in his own direction and going for big fights and trying to force his way through good luck to him good luck to him yeah no i can definitely sort of get behind any decision to to make the best fights and and prove yourself and to sort of you know just forget about some of these mandatories to be honest because i think they've they've proved themselves to be often quite worthless and a waste of time (laughs) so definitely i think it's a good good step in the right direction for him and and fair play to him for it yeah but i mean the 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 question that I have is then, you know, say Josh Warrington doesn't get the ring about before Kid Galahad and Jazza Dickens fight for the IBF, would they then be higher ranked in the world than Josh Warrington? I mean, is he still going to keep his same world ranking? I, I, I think it, it just kind of muddies the water a little bit. And, and you know, it's, it's going to take a while to really work out then what, what the next steps are. Well, yeah, look, I I certainly uh, wish him the best on his mission to do that. Um, And I think that's probably where we'll wrap it up for today. Thank you very much for listening to the Left Up Larry podcast. We'll be trying to put the podcast out every single week. I hope you have a great day. Bye.